I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 38 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Okay, friends, happy Monday, and I hope you are ready for possibly my most requested episode. I have had so many teachers asking me to record this episode over the summer. I've gotten a ton of DMs on Instagram, emails, messages, questions in my Facebook group, and everyone is asking if I would be willing to do a podcast episode that is all about how I launch Reading Workshop. And You guys know that when you ask, I will do my best to deliver. So we're going to go for it. Today's going to kind of be like a mega podcast episode, and I will do my best to keep it quick moving, keep it really engaging, really informative. But just be warned, I am sharing the specifics of how I set up my reading workshop, and I'm going to walk you through literally exactly what it is I teach for the first three weeks. So that might take a minute, like a few minutes. Anyways, I don't want to waste any time, and so we're going to just jump right into today's episode. The first thing I really want to talk about is what do we mean by this idea of launching reading workshop? I feel like this sort of term was introduced to me when I moved to my school in Houston, and I started hearing teachers talk about it, how we're going to launch reading workshop, get our workshop up and running, but this whole phrase of launching, and I was like, okay, what, what are we doing? Are we like a rocket that is going to the moon? Like, what is this? But really, what do we mean? So if you are unfamiliar or if you don't really know what we mean by this term launching, what it really is, is that we are taking intentional time at the start of the school year to establish those key habits and behaviors that your students are going to need to be successful during the school year. Usually your launch, I suggest three weeks. Some schools don't give teachers that long. So maybe your launch is two weeks, even if it is only a week. During your launch phase, you aren't teaching new content. You aren't starting with skill-based lessons. You're not talking about text features or characters or main idea or summary. 
But instead, you're focusing your instructional time on, like I said, those habits and behaviors that are necessary for your students to be successful during the year. So before you get into the content side of things, you want to make sure that your students know how to use their independent time wisely, that they know how to, you know, participate in your whole group lessons, that they understand what is expected of them during your reading workshop. And I've said this phrase now twice, and I use it a lot, and I absolutely love it, but let me clarify, what exactly do we mean by habits and behaviors? So some habits and behaviors that you want to make sure your students know how to do or that they have is this habit of independent reading, this habit of being able to select books from the library, being able to turn and talk on the carpet successfully during a read-aloud discussion, knowing the difference between real reading and fake reading and consistently engaging in real reading, being able to set up their reading notebook and use it week after week in a successful way. None of these things that I just listed have anything to do with the actual standards themselves. We're not talking about making inferences. We're not talking about main idea. We're not looking for text evidence. But all of these things I listed and so many other things included are really essential for your students to be able to know, have, understand, do if we want them to be able to learn and apply the skills that you eventually are going to teach them. So this idea of launching reading workshop is basically pausing the start of your actual reading instruction and instead focusing this time on really building a strong community of readers. And when we do this, when we take time at the start of the year and really clearly communicate and practice and model our expectations and we practice these behaviors and these habits, it is going to save you time later in the year because your reading block will eventually become this well-oiled machine. So when you get to the point where you start pulling small groups, and I typically say wait three weeks, maybe four weeks before that happens, but when you start pulling small groups, if you've successfully launched reading workshop, your students aren't going to come up to you with questions. They're not going to be sitting at their desk twiddling their thumbs because they don't have a pencil. They're not going to be, you know, too noisy or too loud. They're going to be on task. They're going to be using your time, their time wisely, and you're going to have the freedom and flexibility to meet with students in small groups or in reading conferences. And same thing, when you are at the point in the year where you are really trying to keep your mini lessons mini, if your students understand what it means to be a strong listener, if they know how to do a quick, effective turn and talk, if they understand how short the mini lesson actually is supposed to be, then they are going to, they're going to sort of help you get to that point. They're not going to prevent you from keeping your mini lesson mini. They're going to know the habits and behaviors they need to bring to the table in order to make sure that your entire reading block is successful. So that's ultimately what we mean by reading workshop is the two to three weeks before you begin your actual skill-based instruction and you are focusing on students' habits and behaviors, expectations, routines, transitions, all of those things that are ultimately going to make your reading block super successful. So that's what we're going to talk about is what, what, what are all of the things we need to teach? And maybe you're thinking three weeks, golly, what are all of the habits that I could teach my students in three weeks? And here's the thing, honestly, I could have probably come up with a five-week launch plan. But the thing about when we launch Reading Workshop and when we take the time to teach the habits and behaviors, when we end our launch phase after three weeks and we get into the actual content, that doesn't mean that we never revisit these habits. We never talk about building stamina. We never repractice or review turn and talk expectations. We never you know, review what it means to be an active listener. It just means that we've set the foundation and then we continue to come back and reinforce that. So Hopefully that makes sense. Now, before I go through and talk about what I try to cover each week, and the way I have it set up is in when I launch my reading workshop, I try to have a singular focus for every single week. So 
The first week, I try to include any habits or lessons that are going to help my students establish their independent reading habits, because to me, that is really the core of reading workshop. And then the next week, once my students understand this idea of independent reading and we're on our way of building the foundation, then we're talking about the classroom library and we're helping them figure out how to select the books. In my classroom, I always had students read for the majority of reading workshop. And so making sure that they knew how to read books or how to select books that were of interest to them, that were at a level they could understand, that it was something they wanted to finish. That was essential. So we spent an entire week talking about our library and different ways for students to select books, abandoned books. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And then the third week, we start moving into this idea of trying to teach our students how to talk and write about text because ultimately we want to have a community of readers, which means our students can't keep their reading experiences to themselves and they need to be able to share them and communicate them with their classmates. So that's kind of what we cover in three weeks. So those are kind of the focus that I have for each week. And the very first thing I do though, before I even touch any of those lessons is I always address what the reading workshop framework is on the very first day of school. It is literally the very first reading lesson I give my students. And what I like to do is I like to, on the first day of school, we, you know, we're, we're introducing routines and procedures and everything. And I always, you know, talked about how reading was one of my favorite subjects to teach. It's one of my favorite parts of the day and I make a big deal out of it, but I explain to them how lucky they are as students because we use this thing called reading workshop. And then I show them a picture of that pie chart. And if you have my reading workshop launch guide, or if you have my reading workshop anchor charts, then you've seen a picture of this pie chart, but it's a really great visual because it shows students that if you have a 60 minute reading block, There's only 10 to 15 minutes of whole group instruction, which is the mini lesson, 40 to 45 minutes, which is three quarters of the reading lesson is independent reading or independent practice centers, whatever you're choosing to use. And then just five minutes of closure at the end. And so when I'm introducing this framework, I like to, first of all, show them the different parts of the reading block and explain to them what each part is, you know, what a mini lesson is, what the purpose of it is, you know, what independent reading is, what the purpose of it is. But I like them to see that the majority of our reading block is really dedicated to them being able to read independently. (laughs) And I make sure they know from the very first day how incredibly lucky they are that they get to spend 40 minutes of their school day reading any book that they want. And We just talk about it in this really positive, exciting sort of way. I bring a lot of energy and enthusiasm. And from day one, my students get so excited because here's the thing. I tell them, now, eventually we're going to get to 40 to 45 minutes, but we can't start there. We got to start small. And I, you know, I tell them, and we don't even have time on the first day of school to do independent reading. So we're going to, uh, you know, we're, we're going to start that tomorrow. But I make it like this really big deal that we can't wait to get started with. So that way they understand how important it is. When I'm introducing reading workshop framework on the very first day of school, I also like to create a T-chart and I like students to see what the teacher's role is and what the student's role is for every part of the workshop model. So we talk about the mini lesson and we talk about how my job during the mini lesson is, is to give them a bite-sized piece of, you know, a skill or a strategy, one small thing that they can apply that's going to make them a better reader. And my job is to communicate that to them in a very clear way, but in a short way, because I don't want to take away from their practice time, which means then during the mini lesson, they need to be focused. They need to, you know, be free of distractions. They need to let me do my job of teaching so that way they can do their job of practicing. So we go through that for each part. We talk about during independent reading. Their job is to be doing the hard work. They need to be doing the reading, the thinking, the writing, that it's not a time to visit. You know, we talk about how collaboration will be built in. Uh, We talk about eventually we get started with book talks. 
But we talk about how they need to make sure they're doing the hard work during independent reading. And then I also let them know that my role during independent reading is that eventually I'll start doing reading conferences and small group lessons and that I'm going to help them continue to grow and reach their goals as a reader. But they need to be doing a lot of the hard work during that part of our reading block. And then we talk about the same thing during the closure, what the teacher's role is and what the student's role is. So that way we just, from the very first beginning, the day one, we are setting up the expectations for our reading workshop. The students are getting excited. They can't wait for this idea of, you know, independent reading for 40 minutes a day. And then we, like I said, go through the expectations. So that is my first day lesson. A lot of times I will like to read a story or a text with it. I've used a variety of texts throughout the years. Whatever picture book you like, it can be something that's related to reading. I know a lot of teachers like to read uh, Thank You, Mr. Falker by uh, Patricia Polacco or Miss Malarkey Leaves, Leaves No Reader Behind. Those are some good ones because it is all about reading. Thunder Cake by Patricia. Oh, not Thunder Cake. I'm sorry. The What is it? The Bee Book by Patricia Polacco. Now, of course, I can't even think of it because I didn't write it down. The Bee Tree by Patricia Polacco is another good one that has reading kind of as the the subject of the story. So there's different books you could read to start off your reading workshop. I always like to start with a story and then jump in to let them know that every day we're going to be meeting on the carpet. We're going to be learning things that are going to help them become stronger readers, that every student is going to show growth. And then, like I said, I introduce the framework to make sure they understand how that happens. So that is day one. And then the rest of the first week, now I've always started school, or I should say anytime I've been using reading workshop, I've always started school on a Monday. So I had three full weeks. Now, if you have a short week, if you start on maybe a Thursday or a Friday, you might need to adjust the pacing of this. But I really like to have four good days to focus on building independent reading habits. And that is the goal of the first week is to build this foundation of independent reading that students can continue to build upon day after day after day. And again, The reason why I make this my focus for the first week is because for 40 minutes a day, students are going to be independent reading. If you are following the workshop model to a T, then students are spending a lot of time reading and we want to make sure that we get that established and efficient as quickly as we possibly can. The second day, we focus strictly on independent reading. And that day, we talk about what independent reading is. We talk about the goal of it. We talk about what students are going to get to do. And I try to keep all of these lessons short, kind of like my mini lessons. So I try to keep them, you know, 10 to 15 minutes short. And then after we talk about what independent reading is, why students get to do it, how independent reading will help them, we talk a lot about the why we do things. I think it's so important for students to know the why. So we talk a lot about how it's, you know, when you have independent reading, you get to practice, you get to apply, you get to, you know, this idea of having a productive struggle that not everything you try the first time is going to be perfect. You're not going to master it. But if every day you get a chance to read and practice reading, you're going to become stronger at it. You could easily equate it to, you know, professional athletes, how they practice free throws every day. If you're a basketball player, if you're a tennis player, the number of times that you practice serving the ball over and over again, it's repetitive. It's that practice. And we need to do the same thing as readers. So the second day, we introduce independent reading. I remind them that eventually our goal is going to be to get up to 40 minutes, but today we're going to start with just eight to 10 minutes. Keep it super short. And we talk about this idea of, you know, what are signs of good readers? You know, their nose is in the book. They're reading the entire time. Kind of some of those basics. And a couple things that I like to do is the second day, I think it's really important to let your students, and you could also do this the first day. 
I always find though that someday, sometimes that first day of school can feel so rushed, and I definitely don't want our first day of independent reading to feel rushed. And so sometimes waiting until the second day can work really well. And a couple of things that I like to do is for that first day of independent reading, like I said, keep it short, maybe eight to 10 minutes, but I also like to put a bin or basket of picture books at every table. That's how I typically have my students set up is in collaborative groups. So that way they don't need to have a book from home. If it's a picture or a chapter book they're bored with, they have something else they can grab. They don't have to go to the library. It's so easy for kids to get started with independent reading because they have picture books accessible to them right there. And then the really nice thing is, is is from day one, you set the expectation that we want to be reading picture books. It really helps just to encourage students to read picture books throughout the entire year. So make sure the very first day of independent reading, you are super excited. You're really enthusiastic. You celebrate every small win, usually at the end of our first day of independent reading and every day leading up to that. Once we stop, I'll bring the students back to the carpet. We still have our closure and I will celebrate just as many things as I can. Paint, you know, shouting out students who read the entire time, students who, you know, quietly switched out books, students who I could tell were, you know, paying attention based off their facial expressions. You know, students who seemed excited about what they're reading, students who tried a couple different books, whatever it is, just anything that you can celebrate, you want to reinforce those positive behaviors. So day two is all about independent reading. Then on the third day, I introduced this idea of building stamina. And I let our students know that we are starting off with eight to 10 minutes, wherever you're at. And our goal is to get to 40 minutes, but we can't just go from 10 to 40 minutes because if we do that big jump, we're probably not gonna be able to read for you know the whole time. And I, I, I have always been, uh, as an adult, a runner, a long distance runner. I am not fast, <laughs> but I have done a couple of marathons and half marathons. And I always talk about um, my training. In some cases, I've brought in pictures. I brought in my medals. Students always like to know little bits about their teachers' lives. But I talk a little bit about how when I'm training for a marathon or a half marathon, I don't on the very first day go out and just run, you know, 20 miles, but I start the first day of training and I run three miles. And then maybe I run three miles for a couple of weeks and then I increase to four. And then eventually I work my way up over the course of 12 weeks <laughs> to get to 20 miles. And the same thing is true with our reading. So we're going to start small, but every day we're going to add, you know, 30 seconds to a minute every day. And after a while, we'll eventually get to our goal of 40 minutes. So share some sort of story or analogy, something that you've done where you've had to start small and build your way up to it. That can always be helpful for students. And then I like to either create, actually both, create a giant chart that you can use as a class to track your stamina, but then I also like to give students a chart as well. And this can be as simple as just a a a hundreds chart that they fill in every day, the number of minutes. It could be something fancy that you have. It could be just even a, you know, a sticky note where every day they jot down the number of minutes and they're trying to get up to 40, whatever it is. Tally markers, there's no wrong way to do it, but it can be really nice and motivating for students to be able to see their growth and their stamina over time. So I like to incorporate some sort of stamina chart and every day we add to it. And then every day when you add to it, it's also just a good reminder to go back and talk about how important it is to grow and build our stamina as readers. Then on day four, I like to do a very explicit mini lesson on the difference between real reading and fake reading. And I like to let my students know that I can tell when they're fake reading and how important it is to be real readers. And we talk about, you know, real readers are going to have their eyes in the page. They're going to slowly be turning pages. You can tell, one of the things I like to tell students is I can tell from their facial expressions, you know, if they are reading, you're going to see the emotion in their face. And if they're fake reading, their eyes are going to be looking all over. They're going to be flipping 
the books. They might not actually be reading. They might spend a lot of time at the library and kind of highlight some of those things that you see. A lot of times, like what things that I like to do for these mini lessons during Launching Reading Workshop is I like to let kids model. So for this lesson, I might have some students come up and show us what do you think a real reader looks like, and they can demonstrate that. And then, of course, I like to have some kids come up and show us what does fake reading look like? And they love to be the ones that, you know, have their eyes all over the place. They flip through the pages so fast. But it can be a good visual for them to see real reading versus fake reading. And so we talk about how if we're going to do something, we want to do real reading. That's where we see the growth, that type of thing. So day four is a mini lesson on real reading reading versus fake reading. And then we increase our stamina that day. So the next day, whatever we did the day before, you might increase it 30 seconds, a minute. Maybe if your students are really on top of it, you could increase it 90 seconds. I would not go much more than that, though. Building slow really is the key. And then on day five, this is usually the end of week one. I like to really celebrate. I like to talk to my students about how great they've done, how I'm so proud of them. And day five, I kind of, I cheat a little bit. And I do a lesson that's kind of just entitled Strong Readers. And I like to remind students that, you know, not only are we independent reading and we're building our stamina and we're real reading, but strong readers also think while they're reading, that they do so much more than just read the words. And then this is where I kind of start to introduce some of those really easy skills that students really could start to practice on their own over the next couple of weeks, even if you don't do an actual lesson on them. Things like asking questions, making connections, thinking about the text, just some of those basic skills that we want our students to start to practice. We want our students from the very beginning to realize that reading is more than just actually reading that we want to be thinking. You could even do a lesson on the reading process and talk about how there's so much more than just reading. And, you know, we're thinking, asking questions, responding to reading and introduce this whole idea. So whatever that looks like, I typically like to focus on asking questions, making connections and just letting them know that you want to start doing these things from the beginning. But really, that last day is really just kind of a celebration of the fact that we have laid this foundation that is going to help them become really strong, independent readers. So That is the first week, huge focus on independent reading, lots of excitement, enthusiasm, and starting very, very small. Then during week two, it is all about helping your students select the right books. So it is during the second week that I like to introduce my students to the library. This is where I like to show them how our library is organized. I will introduce the checkout process that we're going to go through, um, whatever they need to know about their library. I also like to show them if you have like a chart or a poster or word walls or something in your library on display. I like to make sure that I explain to the students, you know, why did I put these things on the walls? Why did I put these resources up? If there's something that can help them find books, if there's a, you know, a set of genre charts or whatever it is, make sure they know that. So it's all about helping students find the right books. And The reason why I can make this my second week is remember during the first week and really even during the second week and I actually even during the first three weeks, I love keeping that basket of picture books on the tables and I usually rotate that basket every day so they're seeing a different set of books. So that way... When, if students don't make it to the library till the end of the second week, they still have new books that they can read every day during independent reading. So I'm okay waiting until the second week to start my library introductions because then my students still have something to read during independent reading, and then I really can take my time to do it correctly. Sometimes we can feel this pressure to do everything during that first week because it feels so important. But the library is important enough that I feel like it needs a week on its own. So during this week, uh, the objectives that I like to teach is usually on this first day. So this would be day six, that Monday of you know the second week, 
is I do just a very general lesson where I talk about how our library is filled with books that you will enjoy. And I want to make sure that students realize that, you know, regardless of how they feel about reading, I will promise them that we will find a book that they will enjoy. And this is where I show my students how and I explain how the library is set up. So if it's set up by genre, by topic, by author, by illustrator, whatever your process is, this is your chance to show your students you can come to the library and these are the types of books you can find and this is how you find them. This might be the day that you introduce and explain your checkout system to your students. And the way that I typically did library checkout in my classroom is I would let students visit the library once a week. I usually had kind of a list of books that I wanted them to have at all times, usually a chapter book or two, you know, maybe three picture books, maybe depending on what we were studying, two fiction books, two nonfiction books, poetry, whatever it is. Give them their, your little formula. And I use, my students were always numbered by alphabetical order. So on Mondays, you know, kids numbered one through five would go to the library. On Tuesdays, six through 10 would go to the library. So every day during reading workshop, they would have a chance to go to the library. We would introduce that schedule and just get them really comfortable with the library. And again, similar to how I talked about with the real reading versus fake reading, I would also let students show us, okay, if you were going to look for, and almost they could go on a scavenger hunt, if you were going to look for a book that is a fantasy, where could you find that in our library? If you were looking for a book in this series, where would you find that in the library? And just helping students start to explore the library. And then on day seven, I do a lesson that talks about how readers can choose books. And this can look in so many different ways. You could talk about how readers can choose books based off of their personal interests. You can talk about how readers can choose books because they have a list. They ask readers for recommendations. You could talk specifically about how readers look for genres that they enjoy. You could even talk specifically and do a mini lesson on how readers can look at the back of the book and read a preview for a book to see if it's something that they would enjoy. I would not suggest doing all of these on this one day, but you can really make this lesson however you think is going to best suit your students' needs. And this is where every year it might look a little bit different, but you want to give your students some sort of tool, strategy that will help them choose books. One of the things that I created and I really love the idea of using is this, and we'll link to this in the show notes, but it's this genre inventory where it is basically like a choose your own adventure but it's choose your own reading experience. And at it's students start at the beginning and it has them think about, okay, do you want to read about, you know, you want to read books with pictures or without pictures? Do you want to learn while you read or do you want to be entertained? Do you like to read about people or do you like to read about, you know, places? And it just goes through and gives students two, two options. And then eventually it tells them, okay, if you got to this point, you like poetry, you like historical fiction, whatever it is. So you could even introduce a tool like that or a reading inventory, or whatever it is, but telling students that we can choose books that will help us have a positive reading experience. And that's the whole point. Like, as readers, you want to pick something that you're going to enjoy. So that's kind of the focus of day two. And then on the third day of this week, I like to talk about having students pick just right books. Now, I moved away from limiting my students with to reading levels. When I first started teaching, I did tell my students they had to pick books within their levels. But I eventually got past that because what I realized is... My students, if I told them they couldn't read something, then that's exactly what it is that they're going to want to read. And rather than saying you can only read books in these three bins, you know, I can give them the tools and the strategies to make those selections. And then realizing that ultimately, if I'm doing my job as a teacher, students are going to want to read books that they actually can read and enjoy. And it shouldn't matter about the level. So I moved away from limiting students to levels. And instead, we talk a lot about picking just right books. And we talk a lot about how The purpose of reading is to enjoy it, to understand it, to learn something. And if we're reading a book where the words are too difficult or we've read an entire page and we forgot, 
then, you know, that's not going to be a good fit. And I typically like to talk to my students about this idea of there are going to be books that are going to be too challenging for you. There are going to be books that feel just right. And then there's going to be books that are too easy. And there's nothing wrong with occasionally picking a book that is too challenging for you, especially if you can read it with a friend or get some support with it. And there's also nothing wrong with reading books that are too easy on occasion. But ultimately, we want to try to be reading those books that feel easy for us to read, but also give us opportunity to grow as readers. So you can kind of have a conversation about that. Some teachers like to teach their students, you know, the five finger rule. If they've read five words on a page that they don't understand, it's you know, maybe too hard or too challenging. Sometimes I feel like that doesn't necessarily work depending on the type of book you're reading, the number of words on a page. So in general, I think it's just best to have this conversation and let students know that, yeah, there's going to be books out there for everybody. Everybody is going to come across a book at some point that is too hard and too easy. And it's okay if you try a book that's too hard. If you start it, if you realize it doesn't work, that's okay. You can put it down, which kind of leads us into the next day. And I kind of sort of tease about this. You know, because I think students have this idea that they have to finish every book that they start, and that simply isn't true. So the fourth day of this week, day number nine, I like to do a lesson on abandoning books. And I think this is a really important lesson to do because I think it's important for students to have their own sort of autonomy as a reader. We want to make sure that they feel empowered to make their own reading decisions and choices. And so we want to make sure students realize that if they start a book, it's too hard they don't like it, they aren't interested in it, they, you know, aren't motivated to finish it, that it's okay to abandon it and not finish it. You know, you could tell your own personal story of genres that you don't enjoy or books that you started that you never finished. But I think letting students know and giving them permission to abandon a book, that's okay. Now, the thing that you want to make sure your students realize is if you are abandoning every single book you pick up, then there's got to be something wrong with maybe how you're selecting the books or the types of books that you're looking at. Because ultimately, the majority of the books we select, we should want to finish. And it's okay to occasionally abandon a book, but we don't want to abandon all of our books. So day number nine, we have a conversation about that. And then day number 10, I typically start talking about reading goals and setting reading goals with our students. And I'm not going to go into depth with this. I did an entire, it was, I think, the last day of my summer series. I have a previous podcast episode about that. We can always link into the show notes too, but it was all about reading goals. And I like to encourage students to set reading goals that have nothing to do with levels, that have nothing to do with test scores, that have everything to do with the number of books they want to read, the number of genres they want to explore. And I like doing this lesson at the end of the second week because we've just kind of spent an entire week talking all about how to select books. And so, of course, we've kind of talked about genre. We've talked about, you know, finding books that are of interest to them. The week before, we talked about independent reading and building our stamina. So our students are spending, they've been thinking a lot about reading. And so it makes sense that we're now going to set our reading goal. And like I said, it could be the number of books they want to read in the year, the number of genres they want to explore. But I think it's always a good idea to give students some sort of reading goal. I like to typically have them set a big goal and then kind of work backwards. And what does that look like on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis? And then that's something that you can check in with your students on an ongoing basis so they know that they're working towards this goal. So Week number two, all about helping students select the right books. Such an important week in our launch of Reading Workshop. And then my final week is helping students learn how to write and talk about texts. Now, I, I said this before, but let me just remind you that during this first these first three weeks, all we are doing is building a foundation. Just like everything, your students aren't going to master independent reading or they're not going to master, you know, their 
you know, the real reading versus fake reading, or, you know, they might not figure out the exact perfect way to find books that they enjoy, whatever it is that you're working on. But you have now built a foundation, you are building common language in your classroom, and you can always come back and revisit these topics once, you, once you've taught them. So just know, like with everything, your students have to practice all of these habits that you are introducing to them. And this third week is really important because we're teaching them how to write and talk about texts. And ultimately, our students' reading experiences are critical to their success as students, but we really want students to be able to share their reading experiences with the larger classroom community. And they do that by talking and writing about the books that they are reading. So if you really want to make a classroom community that is centered around reading, you need to make sure that you teach your students how to talk and write about what it is that they are reading. Typically what I do this week, day 11, we set up our reading notebook. And again, this could look completely different depending on what you want your students to use with the notebook. Things that I have done in the past is I have given students a copy of the anchor chart that will go in the journal and then they might have a space where they respond to questions. I love giving students sticky notes for stop and jot, you know, to stop and jot as they're reading. Those will go in the reading notebook sometimes. You know, if you want your students to keep a reading log, if you want to have them keep a list, maybe you find a page with a tab where there's a list of books that they want to read, whatever you want to include in there. There's no such thing as like a a right way to set up a reading notebook or a wrong way. A lot of it comes down to teacher preference. The thing that I will say, though, is before you teach your students how to set up their reading notebook, have an idea of the types of things you want to include and how you want them to use it. And also feel free not to even use a notebook. If you're like, you know what, I've done it in the past. It never really works. I'm not consistent with it. It's a waste of time, takes up desk space. You can have an incredibly successful book without a reading notebook. But I like to have a space where students can, even if we don't use it every day, a space where they can come back to write about their books. I like having them be able to glue reference material in their notebook. And I love having them have a space where they can keep a list of future books they want to work on. So I usually have a reading notebook of sorts for them to use. So day 11, we are setting up those expectations and then they're actually setting up their reading notebook. And then day 12 is a very, very basic intro to writing about reading. And this could look completely different depending on what you want your students to do. I typically talk about how, again, this idea of as we are reading, we also want to, going back to the lesson on strong readers, they think about what they're reading. And one way for us to show and share our thinking is to write about it. Uh, We can talk about how you can write a, you know, you could do a stop and jot, you can ask questions, you could write a summary, you could write a book report, you could, all of the different things that you could write, graphic organizers even, and let them know that we'll talk about these things throughout the year. But one of the things that I like to introduce right away from the beginning is this idea of stopping and jotting while we're reading. So I kind of go a little bit more in depth on the idea of stop and jot. And I like it for a couple of reasons. One, it involves a sticky note. And y'all know I am a sucker for a sticky note. But I like to give kids a sticky note. And one, they're small. It's not intimidating. If you have students who struggle with reading, having a sticky note as a writing assignment does not seem overwhelming at all. And it's super easy. I when I usually I talk about this, just this idea of when we're writing. If something jumps out at us or if we have a connection or a question, we want to make sure we write that down because we don't want to forget the important parts of the text. And it's kind of like we don't want to write down everything. But when something really important sticks out at us, we want to just quickly jot it down. So we're going to stop and we're going to jot. And so usually after I introduce this idea of stopping and jotting, I will give students maybe two or three sticky notes, depending on how many minutes we're reading. And I tell them, now you have, you know, a couple sticky notes. If you find a place where you're reading, like stop and write something down. And there's no right or wrong thing here to write down. So it, I think it's also helpful that it's not, there's no pressure of a right answer. It's just anything that jumps out at them. 
And it's a really good sort of just segue or it's we're, we're helping them build this habit of stopping two to three times while they're reading and then jotting down questions, connections, you know, things that jump out at them, which ultimately they're going to have to do with a little bit more focus. But again, from the beginning, we're building this habit of reading, thinking, stopping and writing. So I like to focus specifically on stop and jot when we introduce this idea of writing about a text. And then on day 13, this is the third day of the third week, I like to do a lesson on strong listeners because listening is a very important part of our reading workshop. Whether they are listening during whole group instruction, small group lessons, if you're doing book club, it's important that they are listeners. And you want to make sure, and now this even carries into things other than reading, you want to make sure that your students understand what it means to be a good listener. Being quiet doesn't necessarily equate being a good listener. And so we talk about what do good listeners do? Well, I always talk about how they track the speaker with their eyes. And then that's something that we practice, whoever's talking, you know, and it's not even your eyes. I talk about how you want to turn your whole body to face them. My mom was in Toastmasters uh, for many, many years, and she was actually She was my seventh grade speech teacher, and so I have gotten lots of public speaking uh, advice from her over the years. She would probably, uh, as I'm saying uh, right now, because of course I'm thinking about all of the ums and ahs and likes I say in my podcast episodes, she would definitely get on me for that. But one of the things I remember her sharing with us is this idea of your belly button should always be facing the audience if you are the speaker. But I use that same idea with my students if you're listening. If you are listening, you want to listen with your whole body. So your belly button should be facing the person who is speaking because that means that your face is looking at them, your shoulders are looking at them, your whole body is positioned towards the person who is speaking. Because so often, you know, our students can sit, you know, sideways, they can put their back up against the wall. And if they aren't positioned in such a way to where they are 100% engaged on the speaker, they are going to miss something. And so we talk about eyes on the speaker. Our whole body is on the speaker. We talk about how our facial expressions can give clues to whether or not you're paying attention. We talk about what should be happening inside your brain as you're listening. You're making connections. You're starting to think about how you could make this work independently, you know, whatever that is. But you definitely want to do a lesson on listening. And again, this would be a great time to model what strong listening looks like and then what it doesn't look like. So that way students can see the difference. Plus, they love giving the bad examples. So that is day 13. And then day 14, we are almost through our third week. But day 14, we are talking about reading. So we are having a conversation about how do we talk about reading. And again, this is relatively open-ended and you could kind of focus on whatever you want. I typically like to do a lesson, a very explicit lesson on turn and talk. I do turn and talks all throughout the day. I do them in every, you know, single subject area that I taught. And up until this point, we would do turn and talk. So I didn't wait until three weeks to do a turn and talk, but I would do a very specific lesson. And I taught my students very specifically, you know, when you're doing a turn and talk, a lot of times they would have assigned partners. And so we would talk about that. We talked about how to figure out how to go first. I usually would try to give my students a, you know, if your name is closer to the alphabet, you're going first. If your, you know, birth month is the first, you know, first in the year, you're the first person to talk. But just this idea of if there is no direction, how do you figure out who goes first? And then what your role is as the the speaker in the turn and talk and what your role is as the listener of the turn and talk, what you should be talking about, and then what do you do when you're finished? And so we go through all of that so they know very specifically what it is that they're supposed to be doing. And then we also talk about this idea of when you're talking about reading, you want to keep your conversation about the books, about the skills, about the strategies, about the author, that it should be talking about the text and your reading experience. And so making sure that that's the focus of your conversation. And if you spend all of this time trying to figure out who's going to go first or, you know, kind of the fluffy stuff, you're going to miss the important part of it. So we we talk a lot about turning and talking. We practice it. We model it. 
And then every day we continue to like reinforce those expectations. So that is day 14. And then the very last day, the last thing I like to introduce during my launching of reading workshop is, and this is by no means the the sort of the end of this, but we talk about giving a book talk. I love having my students give book talks. I love introducing this early on in the year. And we talk about what a book talk is, why it's important. And then I let my students know that all throughout the year, every, you know, every student's going to have a chance to give a book talk. And I have an anchor chart both in my reading workshop anchor chart set that we're going to link to as well as a free um, set of anchor charts for giving a book talk. But if you have not done book talks yet, I would plan on introducing those as well. The end of the third week is great because when students give a book talk, it is both a combination of them writing about a text as well as talking about a text. So it's kind of a good way to say, this is why it's so important for us to practice writing and talking about a text, because when you give a book talk, you have to do both. So that is the end of week three then. And so then once I get through all three weeks, then the fourth week is typically when I start teaching my students content. I, I preferably start with fiction. That's not the only way to do it, but that's when I start to go through and I look at my objectives and what I'm teaching, but all throughout my my lessons and even after the third weeks, we're still reinforcing these habits. We're still reinforcing these behaviors because I want my students to realize that all of these things we just covered and discussed in the first three weeks are things that we need to be remember remembering to do every single day, and that's how we're going to become stronger readers. So hopefully that makes sense. That's my first three weeks of a reading workshop. I hope you're inspired. I have a couple more things I want to share before I end this mega podcast episode. Now, first of all, if you are building up your stamina, you probably aren't going to be using the full 60 minutes for reading workshop. And even when you get to the end of the three weeks, you might only be up to 20 minutes or 25 minutes. So if you have allotted 60 minutes for reading, you're going to have some extra time and that is okay. There are things that you can use that extra time for that are gonna be really, really helpful. First of all, if you're doing a mini lesson that's 10 minutes, you're reading for 15 minutes and so we're up to 25 minutes and then you do five minutes of closure that means your reading workshop only took 30 minutes so you have an additional 30 minutes that you could spend doing something else so a couple things that you could do is one you could use that extra time to practice and reinforce the habits and behaviors that you need your students to practice so even at the end of reading workshop you could say you know what let's go back and practice real reading versus fake reading. Or you know what? I know we didn't get as much time to go through the library. So let's go review our you know, library setup one more time. Or let's spend some time practicing the turn and talk. Whatever it is you want to reinforce, you can spend that extra time reinforcing those habits and behaviors. The more ingrained they become in your students, the easier it is going to be for them to just make it naturally. You can also use that time to start reading aloud mentor texts that you're going to need for your mini lessons. If you know you start the year with characters and you want to read certain books that have strong characters, A Bad Case of the Stripes by David Shannon, Each Kindness uh, by Jacqueline Woodson, whatever it is you want to use, read aloud those stories just for fun. Do it as an interactive read aloud or something. And that way you'll be able to come back and revisit just a portion of the text when you're starting in on your content. So you can kind of use it as a way to front load some of the mentor text that you need to read that you're going to need for your mini lessons. You could also use this time as a chance to introduce genre and you could use that extra time and every day you could introduce a new genre or a couple genres to your students. That way they're also becoming aware and familiar with the genres in your library, what's available to them. It's a great way to use that time. 
And then if you are in a school that does require you to get started with content right away, you could always use that extra, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes for whole group instruction on skills that you can teach. But just keep in mind that if you're starting with content from the beginning and you haven't fully established these habits and behaviors, you're probably going to have to come back and spiral review some of those skills because they're probably not going to get the full chance to practice it the way that we want them to. And then just kind of the last, the last, last thing, although I feel like I've said the last thing a couple times. This set of lessons that I shared with you, these three weeks, this outline, this is what worked for me and my students. But this is not the only way to set up and launch reading workshop. And you guys have heard me say it before, but there is not just one single way to teach reading successfully. And the way that you teach reading is going to be unique to your students, your school, your schedule, your style. And you might not have a need for all of the lessons that I shared with you today. You know, maybe you don't want to do book talks, or maybe you don't have a reading notebook, or maybe your school has a very specific way to set goals, and you do that on the first day because of a program, whatever it is. And those things are great. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with, you know, including or not including something. You can be successful no matter what you have. The purpose of this episode is not to say these are all of the things you have to do while launching Reading Workshop, but it's more so a reminder And to give you some ideas, hopefully to kind of inspire you, that we want to take time to establish those habits and behaviors. We don't want to just jump right into content, but we really want to take the time to set our students up for success this year. So my goal with this podcast, this episode specifically, and really every episode is to empower and encourage you to be the best reading teacher for your students. And that is going to look completely different for every single one of my listeners. So just know that you because you're the expert of your classroom, can take this episode and make it look however it works best for your students. And I would love to hear about it. I would love to hear what lessons you plan on incorporating, how long you plan on launching Reading Workshop, what you think it's going to look like in your classroom. Okay, if you've made it through this entire episode, kudos to you. I know it was a little bit longer than my typical episode, but I wanted to get through my first three weeks because like I said, I've had a lot of teachers asking about it. So I hope you're feeling so much better just about how to set up and establish your workshop this next year. And then just so you know, I do have a set of reading workshop anchor charts that are in my TPT store that cover all of the objectives. So if you need help teaching anything I mentioned, I have an anchor chart that you could use as the basis of your lesson. We will link to that in the show notes so you can grab that on TPT. And then, of course, I hope that this episode was helpful for you. And until next Monday, my friends, have a very stellar week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at the Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.